So we're continuing on in the book of Ephesians, and I want to start out with a, a little bit of a review. And since we have a nice small group, uh, hopefully you guys won't be bashful and willing to, to share a little bit. What I want to start out with is just asking if you remember, I gave an oversimplified or super simple outline to the book of Ephesians. Does anyone happen to remember that? Sit, walk, stand. Sit or rest in what God has done for you. Walk, live it out. Also make it be obedient and live in those things that God's done for you. And stand, it can be confusing. You're like, well, wouldn't you have to stand first? The idea is stand firm or stand up or stand, stand strong. So it's sit, know what God's done. Walk, live in what God's done. Three is stand firm in what God's done. So we have our sit, our walk, and our stand. Good job, David. All right, chapter one, what we've covered so far is Paul's introduction. It was a letter to the Ephesians, who were a group. Uh, they were saints. They were called out ones. They had been made holy, but they, were, they had come from a background of pagan, uh, uh, false god worship, very dark a lot of darkness, evil, and a very pagan background, and he's, he's writing to them, and first thing he does is in the first uh, few verses, chunk of verses, that's big, one big long sentence between verses 3 and 14, he's giving a praise, he's praising God, he says, blessed be the God and Father, remember that, blessed be, and it's like, speak highly of, or his name be lifted up, he says, for all the spiritual blessings that we've been given in Jesus Christ, that we've been given, he says, we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So he's praising God and he starts to talk about what some of these blessings are. So in, in those verses, he's praising God for all of those wonderful blessings that we've been given. Can anyone name a couple of those? We'll just do a couple. Okay, we've been given the gospel, the good news. Adopted, saved, been given the Holy Spirit as a seal, good, and a promise for future. God, God becomes our father. We become children of God. Good. So he praises God for all of these things. And then last week we started in on Paul's prayer. Sorry. <clears throat> Paul's prayer. And we're going to cover that again this week, and then we're going to cover it again next week. Uh, I've been wanting to take bigger chunks, and as I start studying it out, I'm like, there's no way we can get this big a chunk. Uh, and we're still kind of taking a, a high-altitude flyover. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll cover Paul's prayer. What we talked about last week in Paul's prayer was he said this, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What do you guys remember from that? Make you work here this morning. Kind of get that turkey out of your system. About this, about what's on the screen. Yeah, to be thankful and that we should be giving thanks. That's one way Paul is praying and he's giving thanks. We should be praying and giving thanks for one another. What did he hear about them? He heard two things. He heard about their what and their what? Faith and love. He had heard uh, 
although he's many, many miles away, he's under house arrest. Word has spread to him about this group. Again, they come out of this pagan dark background, but he's heard about their faith. He's heard about their love and he thanks God. And so one of the things we, again, as Tim said, we need to remember to be thanking God for one another. It's a very important thing for us to do. And it's easy for us to pray for this and pray for that and ask for this, but to thank God for our Christian brothers and sisters. And I would say thanking God for all our Christian brothers and sisters, even the ones that seem a little bit annoying to you, okay? Or are annoying at this particular time. Um, and if you're like, well, none of, I don't feel like any of them are annoying to me. Then you haven't been spending enough time with people here. Because if we spend enough time with one another, we will get annoyed by each other. But we still need to be thankful for one another. In all circumstances, that's right. And he says, uh, so he's been praying, he says, I make mention of you always in my prayers. And here's what his prayer is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, and he talks about a few things here, spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of him, we'll come back to, to that in a minute, the eyes of your understanding being enlightenment, enlightened. He wants them to have a spiritual awareness. He's praying for their spiritual eyes to be opened. And one of the things I said, I think people will hear about or know about our churches, we pray for each other, and we're doing a good job of praying for each other. Praise God for that. One of the next steps we can take, and if we want to kind of take a next step in maturity, is pray for those things that are going on in people's lives. And, and there are so many physical things going on in, in our, just our little church's life. So I talked to someone who reads our newsletter, but they're not, they're out of town. They said, man, you guys got a lot of heavy stuff going on in your church. And I was like, we do, we do. And that's why it's even more important for us to be praying for one another, not just those physical things, but that we would have spiritual enlightenment in the midst of those things, right? So the idea is that we need spiritual insight more than we need a change of culture or circumstance. Paul didn't pray, hey, help everything to go away, all the, the, all the uh, temple of Artemis to be destroyed, help a, help a bomb to go off or an earthquake to shake that to, to, the, to the ground. Help the temple of Artemis to be done away with. Help these saints to have good, strong uh, marriages and, and please help them to have uh, healthy babies. And, and I'm not saying any of those things would be wrong to pray. But what does he say he prays for? That they would have spiritual insight in the midst of what's going on. And so we do have a lot of heavy things, big things going on in our church. But we, one way we can be praying for one another as you're praying for someone to get over COVID Pray that they would have some kind of spiritual insight, some kind of enlightenment, that their eyes would be open to something spiritual, a new step of growth or a new way of experiencing God's love that they didn't experience. Not just that they would get over COVID. Pray that they would see God in a new way and get over COVID. You can do both. So we want to pray for one another to have spiritual insight. Another thing we learned from this prayer we'll get into in a minute here is the fact that he prays for them to have insight, but it's towards one specific thing. Knowledge of him. And we'll talk a little bit more about some more specifics of that. To know God better. Again, not know about God, not just know data, but to know God better. I gave the example of a teacher last week and how maybe you have a, had a teacher and you knew some things about that teacher. You knew they were stricter. You knew they were funner. You knew they were funnier 
Uh, you knew they liked, you know, they had their favorite sports teams posters on the wall or, or whatever it is. So you knew some things, but you probably didn't know everything about them, what kind of husband they were, what kind of dad they were, what kind of wife they were, or what they did in their spare time or what their financial status looked like. Or you probably, a lot of the things you didn't know about them. The idea here is that we would really get to know God in a well-rounded way, not just know a few facts about God. So that's the other thing we need to pray for is for each other to get to know God. And again, to realize that we need to know God more than we need our circumstances to change. We all have things going on. And I tell you, for, for me, just going back through this has been help, so helpful for my prayer life over the past few weeks and changed the way I pray for you guys, the way I pray for myself. It's not just about the circumstances. I pray about those things, but a deeper knowledge of God in them a deeper spiritual understanding in those things. So again, pray for one another to know God better. So what we're going to do here is we'll do a little preview. I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Then we'll talk about it. And then I'll remind you what we talked about. Um, but what I want to do is we'll do this and then, we'll, and then we'll pray one more time and dive into the, the verses for today. So let me just start by asking. And again, we have a nice small group here so we can talk. What kind of things cause us to be insecure or unsure about our relationship with God? And if you're like, I'm totally sure and confident and secure in my relationship with God, then I genuinely praise God for that. Then what would maybe somebody else answer to this? Self-doubt, okay. Okay. Why am I not? Okay. A lot of questioning. Yeah. Sin, right? Right. Maybe they've never opened their hearts up to the things of God. Okay. Pardon? Feeling unworthy. Yeah. These are a lot of the same answers I was coming up with as I was answering this in my head. Feelings. So feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into this a little bit more, but do you understand? You even, I feel like it's really helpful for us to talk about this because we're all going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I'd word it a little different, but yeah. But all that's based on what? Us. Right? My worthiness, if I'm reading my Bible regular, how I feel about myself, my feelings, my unworthiness, my obedience, my disobedience, am I hearing? My, all of these things. And so I just kind of want to make a note, just kind of tuck that away and go, oh, so the doubt's not coming from God. The doubt's coming from either my behavior or my feelings or my thoughts, okay? Is it important for us to be secure in our relationship with God? Yes or no? Yeah, why? Okay. Yeah, you're not secure in your relationship with God. Uh, then you can kind of things start getting tough or even temptation. You're kind of like, eh, what's the use? I'm not even sure if I, God cares about me anyways. I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian or I'm not good. What else? Okay. If you're going to stand secure, if you're going to get to the end of our sit, walk, stand firm, 
in order to stand firm, we have to be secure in our relationship with him, don't we? You're not going to stand firm for Christ if we are not secure in our relationship with him. I feel like Paul spends the first half of this book giving us truth about our relationship with him. He really wants to make that point before he even tells you what to do or before he even asks you to stand firm. He wants you to know about your relationship with God. What else? Any other answers to that? Why is it important for us to be secure in our relationship with God? Okay. Yeah, for sure. It's going to have a ripple effects into our everyday living, our everyday view of the world, um, our view of ourselves, all, all of those things. And so those good, great answers, great answers. Um, how do you think God feels about, you don't have to answer that one out loud. How do you think God feels about you? Give me a second to marinate. Don't have to say anything out loud. Because I, I do think it's interesting as we go through this, we say, yes, it's important to be secure in your relationship with God. Of course it is. Who feels 100% confident in your relationship with God? And be like, mm, maybe six months out of the year I do, but you know, there's or maybe this or maybe that. But we're all admitting it is important, right? So today and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit that God wants his children to be secure in their relationship with them. Do you think a good parent? So is God a good father? Perfect father. He's the father that we use to tell if earthly fathers are doing a good job is by basing it off of what God, our heavenly father would do or not do. So do you think a good earthly father would want his children to be secure or insecure about a relationship with them? Do you think I want Evie to be doubtful about her and I's relationship and nervous and scared and fearful and wondering and shaky or confident and solid and hopeful and expectant and at peace and calm? Yeah. And so God, the same is true for God. God wants his children to be secure in their relationship with them. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we look at the verses today. Let's pray real quick one more time. Father, I thank you again for this book, this letter that was written so many years ago to a group of people that were living in a, a dark culture, a dark society, and that the words are eternal and true and applicable to us. I pray that you would use your word and through your Holy Spirit just strengthen these saints today, encourage them, lift them up, help them to become more and more secure, myself included, more and more secure in my relationship with you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So we're going to just cover one and a half verses here. So first of all, it says, pray that your eyes would be enlightened was the kind of the last verse. And then now he's going to start going into some of the specifics of enlightened about what? One, that you may know. I want to talk about that for a minute. He wants them to know some things. He's going to tell them three things. We'll get to that in a second. But one, he wants them to know it. That word for know, there's a couple of words in Greek for know. There's one, gnosko, which is kind of like to know intimately, to know deeply, to know. And that's not this word, actually. This has the idea of to see, to perceive, to understand, to have knowledge of, and in my way of saying it, to get it. So he's wanting us to get some stuff. He's wanting it to click. He's wanting us 
to kind of have go, oh, I get it. Now I have the under, I have the knowledge, I have the understanding, and it clicks. Like I'm buying into this now. I know it. I'm confident of it. That's the idea of like, I really get this now. So he says he wants them to get something that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you could get three things. That you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. That's Paul's prayer for these saints. He wants them to get three things. So one, he's thankful for them. That's part of his prayer. Two, he wants them to have their eyes of their heart opened to know God, and to know three specific things. Uh, we're going to see later in Ephesians, he has another prayer for them. Um, but this is his, his first prayer for them, is that they would get it, that their eyes would be open to these things. And so those three things, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. All these point to a confidence in a relationship with him so that we could be secure and rest and sit confidently, restfully, peacefully, joyfully in our relationship with him. So we're going to go through the first two today and the next one, maybe one or two weeks. So the hope of his calling, what does that mean? He wants us to, Paul said, he's praying that they would know this, that they would get or understand, buy into the hope of his calling. You don't have to read all this. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna kind of go through it. When we think of the word hope, sometimes we think of man. I really hope I win the lottery. That's not the idea here of hope. The idea here is it's not a desire. It's not a wish. The idea is I've put my hope in, and it's the idea of confidently expecting something. If you put all your hope for retirement in this fund, you're confident in expecting this fund to hold true right? All your hope or all your eggs are in that basket. And so that's what he's saying is I want you to have this confident expectation. I want you to be assured. I want you to be confident of something, of your calling. The word for calling is the idea of summoned or invited. Now, I have a really cheesy, inadequate, uh, I, I almost hesitate to share it because I feel like it almost feels blasphemous. And I don't mean it like that. But the idea is kind of this, that you've been given a invitation. I want you to be confident about this invitation. And the word that kept coming to my mind as I was preparing is the golden ticket. It's a horrible analogy, but I can't think, I'm just trying to think of an analogy that kind of sticks. And the idea is that you have been given to be confident in the fact that you've been given a golden ticket, a invitation that you have been called out of darkness as the ephesians have that you've been called out of darkness and called into all of these wonderful awesome incredible benefits and blessings that you have the invitation you have the engraved invitation in your hand it's all there for you that's kind of the idea here he's like i want you to be confident about this invitation that you've been given and it includes some of the things that he's been talking about before which are adoption, becoming his cherished ones, forgiveness. And, and I kind of hate going through a list like this because it's like forgiveness, 
redemption, revelation, restoration. It's kind of daddy, daddy. Like there's just nothing things. But how profound is having forgiveness? It's more than a dumb bullet point on a PowerPoint or whatever this thing is. Having forgiveness is huge. He wants them to be confident that they have that invitation, that they have the engraved invitation, that they have everything for now and for later. The idea is of an invitation or summoning or a calling is like that you've been invited to a feast. And that's what he wants us to be confident that we have the ticket into the feast. And the feast is that we get to be God's children that he cherishes us, that he wipes away our sins, that he redeems us. He purchases us out of a slave market. Anybody here struggle with habits and bad habits, thinking or physical or otherwise? We've been purchased out of that. That we've been given revelation. In other words, he says, I've made my plan known to you. We don't have to live in darkness wondering like, what is God's plan for us? restoration that he's going to restore us the sealing of the holy spirit that we are sealed until the day of redemption we don't have to wonder if we're really going to make it he said that that is given to everybody who believes that his power is working in us and much much more so he wants them to be certain of the calling with which they've been called now let me just ask you this so he's, in essence, what he's saying is, I want you to have confidence about this relationship you have with me now and all the things you get in the future. Why is that important? Why do you think he wants them to have that hope, that security, that assurance? That they're forgiven, that they're going to be restored, that uh, they're his children, that they have all the golden ticket items available to them. Why does he want them to know that? Why is that important? Okay, in what way? You, you don't have to be the only one to answer, answer that. It's a great answer, but how? How does that happen? Why? Yeah. 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 Any, uh, go ahead, Ginger, and then Reese. Yeah, that you wants us to be confident about that. And, and it would even when you say fear relationship with him, what about fear of relationship with others? When you know this is good, it still hurts when these go bad, but it's not the end of the world. Reese.
Yeah, it, it, the burden was on him and he's accomplished it. He's carried it out. Uh, all those blessings come from him, not from our doing or not doing. And so just on this question, I, I maybe I'll, I'll rethink this, but as I look at it, you have three options. One, you're totally shaky and you have no confidence whatsoever. No security, no assurance. Two, you have confidence an assurance, but it's put in the wrong place, yourself or somebody else or something else, and it's going to disappoint you. Three, you have confidence and security in what God has provided for you and that he's called you out of darkness into, as it says in Colossians, the marvelous light, which includes all of these things we're talking about. So one, you're either no confidence and you're shaky in this world and life, Two, you have confidence, but it's misplaced and it's going to blow up in your face at some point. Or three, you're putting your confidence and hope in the fact of what God has invited you into and provided for you. Okay. Um, you can just think about these. What is uh, being anxious about one's fate affect you? How would that affect you now? What kind of things hinder us from being confident about our present relationship with God and our future? We mentioned this a little bit in the beginning. And I just kind of want to make the point again, if it's based on your, well, it hinders me because I kind of feel, I don't feel confident because I keep messing up, then my point would be focus on what he's done, not on what you're doing or not doing. Focus on what he has done and he's called you, right? All right. The next thing he talks about is I want someone to know or to get. So one, he wants you to get security of your calling that it's comp that you could have confidence in the fact of what you've been called into you've been called into this awesome relationship with god and all the benefits of it you've been called into that you have something the golden ticket like it's there you have the engraved invitation be confident of that enjoy that he wants them to know another thing the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints this can be a little bit confusing, and there are different ways that people look at this phrase. Some people say, all of the things we inherit because we are in him. It does talk about that in the book of Ephesians. But in a couple places, it talks about the fact that he wants us to have confidence that we are his inheritance. How many people here have had an inheritance left to them? Was it something that was a, a bummer? Or a blessing? Was it something you were excited about or bummed out about? Don't we all kind of hope for that call? Like, yes, oh, and so you never knew them, but they left you a million dollars in a, a resort in Cancun or whatever it is. Like, what? Well, the fact is what God is saying here is that we are his inheritance. He's excited about us. That he purchased us. And that he, we are his possession, and it will be fully realized at one point that we will be perfectly conformed to his image, that we are his inheritance. We are the riches, we need to know this, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That he, it's this idea that 
we are his rich and glorious inheritance. We were redeemed and we were purchased by him. We are his rich and glorious inheritance. This was used of kings in other, in other scriptures. For example, Hezekiah, uh, it talks about the fact that Hezekiah had very great riches and honor and made treasuries for himself of silver and gold. So in other words, you have this great king. And what he did was he set up these treasuries of silver and gold. And it was, uh, it was honor. It was honorable. It was glorious what he had done. And the same is true for us. So I wrote, think of tro uh, trophies or prizes that treasures I like even better. That God considers us his treasures. I mean, go back to it. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. We're his inheritance. It's not our inheritance. He's talking about here. We talk about that in other scriptures. But here he's talking about, I want you to know that you're one of God's treasures. God treasures you. Like a king would look at a big treasure chest or treasuries full of silver and gold and the honor that would come along with that, that that's how God looks at us, that we're valued by God. Do you feel valued by God? Do you feel like you're cherished? Do you feel like God's treasure? God looks at you and says, that gal's my treasure. That guy's my treasure. And it brings him joy. Wouldn't we be joyful about a treasure, an inheritance? You all of a sudden get that call from the lawyer who's saying, come on down to the office. All you got to do is sign for it. We would be elated. We saw a thing last night on home videos where someone did the fake lottery thing. And they gave someone a ticket. There was a fake lottery ticket. And the lady just fainted. Like she literally fainted. And she got up off the thing and and she kept like stammering and she was all pale. I mean, you would want to kill someone if they did that to you. But <laughs> the idea was she thought she hit the jackpot. She thought she had this incredible treasure. God is saying he hit the jackpot with us, that we are his treasure. That's how he views us, valuable. Man, that blows me away. If we have issues of self-worth, all we need to do is buy into that. Get it, as Paul is saying. Know it. And that's what he prays. I want you to know this. How will that change a person's life and self-value? God treasures me. I'm valuable to God. I'm important to God. He's happy that I'm his inheritance. That changes the way a person lives and thinks. So let me just ask you this. Do you believe that God sees you as his treasure? Do you believe that? Do you know that? Again, part of it is you need to hear it to know it, right? Some of us are like, I've never even really heard that. I thought God was always mad or wondering if I did this or did that. and God hates me. He says, if you put your faith in your son, Jesus Christ, you're in his treasure chest. You're in his trophy case. You're one of God's trophies his accomplishments that he's proud of that he saved you and made you something new man that's a good feeling isn't it so if you don't believe that you don't buy into it maybe it's because you never heard it before 
Maybe it's that you need to be praying for that for yourself, that you would truly know that and understand that your eyes of your heart would be open for that. Maybe you need to dismantle some lies or some false teaching that you've gotten along the way, whether it's from the world or from your parents or from uh, your environment, or maybe it's direct teaching from a pulpit somewhere that was wrong, teaching you that you had to perform for God's love. Or you should be standing on shaky ground because God might not be happy with you. God's happy about us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're going to celebrate communion today. I don't know what exactly David has planned, but the, the reality is God is pleased with us because of Jesus Christ. Even that's not our work, but we're his treasures. He's made us his trophies. I'm going to skip the second question. Is there anything that hinders you from being confident that you're cherished and treasured by God? Similar to this first question. But just ask, and if there is something, I, I don't want to make a big uh, name it and claim it kind of thing, but I would say can, renounce that thing. Say it out loud. That's a lie. I'm going with what God says instead of how I feel or what I heard from some other numbskull. I'm going with what God says. Renounce those things that are hindering you from being and knowing that you're cherished by God. That's the devil's work to think you're not cherished by God. That's Satan's work. It has nothing to do with God. It can be taught in churches. It's unbiblical. It's the devil's hand. Why? That's why Paul is saying, I want you to know this. Because it's important for us to know that we're cherished by God. So, kind of boiling it all down, there's some stuff we need to know then, so what do we do? What do we need to know? We need to know that we've been called out of darkness into a glorious relationship with God. All the fixings are right there for a glorious relationship with God. And that that relationship and what Christ has done promises us a perfect future. We need to know that. We need to be confident in the calling that we're called once. Another thing is that God considers you as treasure. You need to know that. You need to buy into that. You need to get it. Maybe you haven't heard that enough. Maybe that's where it starts. We need to know those things. So what do we do? One, let's follow Paul's example and pray for our others and, and for ourselves to have our spiritual eyes open to these things. That our spiritual eyes would be open to it. And two, I would say, Believe it and act on what God says, not on what you feel or what you think or the lies of this world. But let's buy into and believe and act on what God says. You have been given a beautiful, wonderful calling by God, not by man, not by yourself, by God Almighty, who wants to have an awesome relationship with you and give you a perfect future. The God who made all the little fish in the sea and the corals and the stars and the trees and the pine needles and the beautiful smells and the beautiful flowers. That God wants to have a relationship with you and has made it possible and has called you into a relationship with him. Praise God. And not only that, he says, you, the God who made all that said, you're one of his treasures. You're like, you don't even know me, man. I'm a mess. We're not anybody's treasure. Baloney, you're God's treasure. No one else may think you're a treasure, but God does. You put your faith and trust in Christ, you've been moved into the treasure chest, the trophy case of God. And that's how he feels about you, regardless of how you feel.
that good news? It's great news. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for all the wonderful blessings we have because of him. Please help our hearts to be open to this, the eyes of our heart to be open. Help us to buy into it. Help us to remind each other of it. Help us to walk in it, enjoy it, live just kind of with the bounce in our step because of it. Even if life circumstance in our society and culture is a big, dark, ugly mess, help us to just be walking in light because of these wonderful things. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.